Springfield Talk 1041. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick Reed. How do you do? Coming up Friday, we have Happy Hour at Retro Metro from 4 to 6. It's Republic Road in Cox. Love for you to come by and uh, just hang out with us, have uh, some drinks or food. It's a nice time. It's a great time to socialize with folks if at times maybe you, you you have a great interest in things that are going on in the world and and, and uh, you, you like to talk about those things, get the thoughts from people, but maybe you work somewhere where you don't know whom it is you can talk to, unfortunately. The country that we once lived in has changed, and we lived in a country once where um, you had your opinions, uh, I had mine. If they were different, you'd be like, hey, it's free country. I think you're an idiot, but whatever. Unfortunately, people on the left don't want diversity of opinion any longer, and so if you express a thought or idea that they disagree with, then they seek to destroy you. They will try and fire you. They will go to social media, demand that you be canceled because they do not want to coexist. They want the Borg to exist where everyone has the exact same thought process and anyone else is considered a danger. Anyone else is like a parasite that could get into the the, the group think mentality and could infect it and could cause people to start thinking differently, thinking about different ideas and questioning authority, and they can't have that. And so that leads many people to just thinking, I'm not going to have these intellectual conversations because I'm surrounded by anti-intellectuals who simply want to punish diversity, and and so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. At an event like Happy Hour, you don't have to worry about that. Everybody's open-minded. Everybody's willing to have discussion. Nobody is going to listen to your opinion. And if it is contrary to their own, get on social media and start uh, uh, blasting you. They're not going to contact your workplace and say that you're uh, anti this or pro that. And that if they don't fire you, they're going to make sure everyone knows that, that your business hires bigots or whatever it is they call you. You don't have to worry about that. It's sort of ironic because by not being a, quote, safe space, it is actually a safe space. By not being a safe space created to protect those who want the unified, one-thought, one-dimensional groupthink world, um, you know, by by doing that, um, you, you, you are creating a dangerous place for free thinkers. And so by saying, you know what, this is not that kind of safe space, the free thinkers actually do have a safe space, a safe space from punishment. And if anything, happy hour is great for that. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not set up for the purpose of having deep political discussions. You don't have to talk about any of that at all. But if you are the sort of person that feels as if there's just no place I can have open, honest, diverse conversations any longer, happy hour is one of the places you can. So how about them apples? That'll be Friday, 4 to 6, Retro Metro. Jason Reimer with news. MoDOT is holding a virtual public meeting on a bridge project in Springfield. That project would replace and upgrade the Missouri Highway 413 bridge on Sunshine Street. That's east of the intersection of Sunshine and Scenic in Springfield. 
A man from Carthage charged with causing a fatal crash in Springfield last month near I-44 in Glenstone. Court records say 22-year-old Alan Jones was going 98 miles per hour just before his car hit another car near I-44 in Glenstone. Rita Deckard died in that crash. Some roads in the Ozarks still covered or at least partly covered this morning. Most of those are south of I-44. We're expecting brutally cold temperatures again today. Wind chills will be in the single digits today and tomorrow. And a Lawrence County Sheriff's deputy has minor injuries after a crash on I-44 early Monday morning. That deputy stepped out of his patrol car to help at an accident scene near the 57-mile marker when a semi started to slide toward him. The deputy jumped over the center median cable to avoid being hit. His patrol car was damaged in that crash. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield Stock 1041. First alert forecast, a cloudy day, slight chance of snow, high of 25. Mostly cloudy tonight, 15. Partly sunny, 36 tomorrow, and partly sunny on Thursday with a high of 45. One of the reasons that the United States has long been the go-to for medicine, whether it is treatment, surgery, medications, is because we have been the sole holdout against socialized medicine, against government calling the shots. The free market system has allowed our country to be the great developer of new medications, new technologies. It's why uh, people who have the ability to come to the United States have done so when they needed surgeries. Uh, It was a commonplace thing for a period of time uh, when you would have leaders of other nations that could have any doctor in the world they wanted. They would come to the United States because we had the best. The rest of the world relies on the United States for research and development of drugs. And the reason that we have been the source of all the advancement in the areas of medicine is because we initially and for years set ourselves aside as a free market system, which ultimately always benefits the consumer with better goods and services that are much less expensive than when government is involved. This is one of the reasons that all the other countries in the world would end up becoming reliant on the United States for the the vast majority of research and development, particularly when it came to medications, because those other countries would put price controls on things. And so companies that once upon a time would uh, spend a portion of the, the, um, um, their, their revenue that came in, their profit on developing new drugs, coming up with advancements, no longer would do that. One of the most damaging things that can be done is putting is the, the government just picking a random number out of the air and saying, okay, this is the amount we're deciding in the name of socialism, in the name of what, you know, we, we are going to dictate what price can be charged. This is something that Democrats introduced last year, specifically citing insulin. They have a new ally. Across the aisle, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley proposing price caps on insulin products. 
This is how we lose. When you have people that claim they are against socialized medicine, when you have people who claim they are against big government, when you have people who claim they are opposed to to socialism, stand up and propose just that, claiming that, well, their version is different, see. The reason that we continue to see diminishing effectiveness and cost, or increased cost, but diminishing effectiveness when it comes to medicine in this country, is because more and more Republicans decide that they're going to go the way of socialized medicine. It's just their version of making the decisions for you. Their version of legislation is better than the Democrats. So it's not a matter of should government be involved. It's just, well, we want to be the ones in charge of government involved. Now, it's interesting because I actually found from last year a piece that was written uh, for the purposes of countering this sort of legislation. Uh, I believe it was John Thune wrote it. Uh, I'll get the... I'll get the the details on that. We're going to get a traffic update here. But this was written in response to Democrats proposing it. Now that Josh Hawley is proposing, his cap actually is even greater than the cap that Democrats were proposing. So he's wanting even more government uh, in terms of calling the shots and and the value of of, uh, insulin. But like all things in socialism, don't misunderstand me, this is a winner politically because it's promising government to take care of people. It's it's government saying, don't worry, we'll take care of this for you. You don't need to worry about taking care of it yourself. And that's how big government's always sold. No one who promotes socialism ever says, we know it's going to turn out bad for you. We're not doing this for you. The messenger is always, hey, we're government. We're here to help. And it seems to me as if once upon a time there was some guy who said, always be aware of anyone who says, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. A.K.A. I'm from the government. I'm here to help you pay for your insulin. Help you keep your costs down. So let's talk about this coming. These are the uncomfortable conversations, you see, because it isn't about Republican could, Democrat bad. It's about what is good and what is bad, regardless of political affiliation, a.k.a. the truth. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. All right, Missouri Senator Hawley proposes price cap on insulin products. Now, I'm not naive. I know this is... A wildly popular idea, and most people say they don't like socialism uh, until somebody comes along and they promise them. So this is how you win them over. You're like, wasn't well, there something that you would like? <laughs> I mean, it's true. Oh, you think it's so bad? Hmm. Let's see here. Let's what? What if you could have anything in the world? What would you like? And then that shows. Oh, look, it's good. Socialism is good. Socialized medicine's good because, look, here's a thing that you wanted, and look, I made it happen. And and when it comes to price caps on insulin, most people are either diabetic or they know someone who is diabetic. And many people recognize that the costs are high. But instead of really digging down and determining what the true source behind the easy answer is, well, we'll just come in and put a cap on it. This is what Senator Josh Hawley is proposing, introducing the Cap Insulin Prices Act, 
to reduce the price of insulin and protect families from big pharma. Holly noted insulin was discovered more than a century ago, yet too many Americans who rely on it have difficulty paying for it. The price of insulin is straining household budgets at a time when inflation is already squeezing families, which can lead to rationing and even the need for more expensive treatments down the line. Patients and their families deserve better. And the better answer, evidently, according to Josh Holly, is government. The Cap Insulin Prices Act would... Set a $25 out-of-pocket cap for a monthly supply of insulin through private health plans. Reduce to $25 the out-of-pocket cap for a monthly supply of insulin through Medicare. And prohibit health plans from using prior authorization and step therapy to steer patients to insulin products that are not best for them. So I went back and I thought, this is an interesting piece. I, I said off the top of my head, I thought Thune... Uh, maybe had a hand in this piece. This piece is actually from the Senate RPC. This is the Republican Policy Committee. And at the time of this policy piece, uh, Senator Joni Ernst was the chairperson. Now, understand, this was written a year ago, less than a year ago. April 7th, 2022 is when it was published. And this is when Democrats were proposing price caps on insulin, which Holly, of course, a Republican, is now proposing. And their policy piece notes price controls are not the solution for high drug costs. More than 37 million Americans have diabetes. About 8 million of them take insulin to manage their condition. As new products have come on the market, Prices for insulin have dropped, and insurers offer programs to keep the cost reasonable. Instead of building on these trends to help more people afford their insulin, Democrats are proposing more government mandates and price controls, which run the risk of stifling future cures and patient access. Now, again, now Josh Hawley's the one proposing the price caps. The policy piece continues, thanks to medical advances, people with diabetes are living longer. And in better health, insulin users today have more flexible options, more accurate dosing tools, and fewer side effects. There are more than 20 insulin products on the market, and they are far superior to the original insulin that was first extracted from animals a century ago. The average out-of-pocket cost for insulin prescriptions has decreased for commercially insured Americans from $37 in 2014 to 32 in 2018, a 14% drop. Medicare Part D beneficiaries also have affordable options through the Part D Senior Savings Model, which provides enrollees and participating plans with flat copays of no more than 35 for a range of insulin products. Some experts attribute the decline in prices to increased competition, and new insulin products have come to the market. The arrival of several authorized genetics or generics in 2019 and 2020 gave people with diabetes more affordable access to insulin. Last year, another two biosimilar insulin products were approved, and Civica RX recently announced it will sell three biosimilar insulins for $30 per vial and no more than 55 for a box of five per cartridges. According to the FDA, biosimilars marketed in the U.S. typically launch with initial prices 15 to 35% lower than the original product. The market is working to create competition and lower prices. To the extent affordability gaps do remain, Congress could pursue targeted solutions that fix discrete problems rather than one-size-fits-all policies with the potential to disrupt coverage for all Americans. 
If policymakers move to address insulin cost, they should keep in mind the potential unintended consequences, including higher premiums, larger deficits, and the risk of stifling innovative treatments and cures. Last week, the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives passed legislation that would cap insulin cost sharing at $35 a month for Medicare Part D and the commercial insurance market. If these caps were to take effect, insurers would likely have to shift the cost to their consumers in the form of higher premiums because Medicare and the private insurers would have to cover the difference between the cost-sharing cap and the price of the drug for their enrollees, and private health care plans would face a broad new coverage mandate. The Congressional Budget Office estimates the bill would increase direct government spending by $6.6 billion. This includes higher Medicare costs and higher costs borne by individual market plans, which the federal government subsidizes under Obamacare. The bill would also reduce revenues by $4.8 billion for a total net deficit increase of $11.4 billion. The Wall Street Journal summarized the legislation's failings, quote, Alas, the bill misdiagnoses the problems and is a pretext for more political control of drug prices, which won't serve suffering Americans, end quote. The editorial concluded by quoting former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb that the ultimate goal is to free patients from insulin. Government price controls will not lead to a cure for disease. Democrats were also pushing drug price controls as part of their reckless tax and spending spree last year. This latest bill posed some of the dangers as the earlier scheme, including the risk of less innovation in pharmaceutical development due to the lower return on investment. Democrats could leave patients, especially those with rare diseases, empty-handed. In the case of insulin, drug companies have developed new methods of delivery, such as inhaled products, and have been working on long-acting insulins requiring administration just once a week. With price controls in place, innovations like these might never come to the market. Senator Schumer has said he would like to see the consider the Senate to consider an insolent bill during the next work period. Instead of price controls, any policies should be geared towards increasing innovation and market competition to drive down patient costs. Insulin access and affordability could be addressed by creating incentives for the FDA to approve biosimilar insulins faster and by permanently extending the Part D senior savings model and the safe harbor for high-deductible health care plans that cover insulin pre-deductible. There are several bipartisan proposals that would reduce out-of-pocket prescription drug costs, including for insulin, without imposing price controls, chilling life-saving innovation, or raising health insurance premiums. Americans who depend on insulin deserve carefully considered solutions, not more Washington control. I think it's interesting in this piece it notes that last year Chuck Schumer said he wants the Senate to consider a bill to put a price cap on insulin, and it's Josh Hawley who's doing it for him. Now, here's what I, I, I can't say with certainty with this piece that was written by the Republican Policy Committee last year is whether or not every one of their suggestions is a proper suggestion. But what I do know here is that they were targeting specifically, among other things, the idea of price controls, and they were attacking Democrats for it, noting that more government's not the answer. I mean, that that was the theme here. 
is that more government is not the answer and price control certainly is not the answer and, in fact, can make things worse. Now that Josh Hawley is proposing it, will the Repu- will, is this going to be like gun control measures when Roy Blunt supports new gun control laws or when he did? The, the argument that criminals don't abide by gun control laws, that more laws don't work, just thrown out the window completely. Is this what's going to happen with Republicans and price controls? They've long pushed back, accurately describing the reasons why Democrats' plans for price controls were bad and why they would result ultimately long-term for worse health care for people. Are they going to stick to that, or are they going to throw all that out the window and say, you know what, we were, lo- we were either wrong or lying to you. We, too, believe that government is the answer. It's just our version of government is the answer. Now, I do want to take a couple of just notes coming up here after the break as to where the problem really does lie. And like most things, it is not an easy answer. And this is the problem with government approach, one size fits all, taking a situation that has a number of different levels and intricacies and complications, like why do the price of insulin go up whenever time goes on and so forth, and then somebody in government comes along and like, well, just put a cap on it. Uh, that just doesn't work. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Hear about it. Hear about I, I know it. I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Garage experts, three P's, people, product, process, installers, years of experience, hundreds of floors, probably even more than that. I've seen them do the work myself. And one, the machinery they utilize is an investment that the vast majority of other companies aren't going to bother investing in. They're going to go the easier route. But i got to be honest with you, Mark and Shelley Long, owners of Garage Experts, they are perfectionists, which is why they buy the best product for the best process with the best people putting it in for your garage and the storage, be it the flooring, uh, the, the epoxy flooring, or you have the customized storage done. Or perhaps you are in charge of a factory or you have a restaurant, maybe a veterinarian clinic. You got a floor as well. You could benefit from garage experts. Just give them a holler. Their contact info for garage experts under Nick's endorsements, ksgf.com. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Oh, First alert forecast, mostly cloudy. There is a slight chance of snow today, high of 25, mostly cloudy, 15 for a low tonight, 36 tomorrow. Partly sunny on Thursday, 45, and we'll be kicking off the weekend Friday, sunny with a high of 42. Uh, Last year, the Democrats, part of their so-called Inflation Reduction Act, was to put a price cap on um, out-of-pocket prices for insulin. And Josh Hawley is proposing an insulin price cap of his own. Um, This is a breakaway from what Republicans have always claimed, accurately so, is the best approach when it comes to medicine. And, well, first off, government should not be involved in it. Um, But that government's not the answer. And, again, there's a guy once who was president who argued that if anybody from government tells you, hey, I'm here to help, I'm here to make your life better. I'm here to make your drugs cheaper. That No. 
do not believe them. And I think that just because you have an R next to your name does not give you an exemption for that rule. So wherein, wherein lies the problem? And it can be very complicated because there are so many hands in the bowl when it comes to the costs of prescriptions, the costs of medicine. I mean, it, 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 and mo- we don't know how it works. Most people do not know how this works. You go, have you ever been, maybe you've done this, you've gone to the pharmacy and you have a prescription and maybe your insurance covers it, it doesn't cover it, and they're, and then they say, oh, well, hold on, let me see, and they have this little thing, this little coupon book of sorts, and, you blip, and they're like, oh, uh, I got it 80% off for you. And your response is, that's awesome. It's not, well, how does that work exactly? <laughs> we don't care. It's like that sounds great. We just figure it's a coupon, right? Like, it's just oh, it's just a Walgreens coupon or wh- whatever the pharmacy is that that it's just one of those things, and we don't ask questions because we're just happy that that we got a discount on it. There was a a I've got a transcript that we're going to read directly from. It was a conversation that uh, the Heritage Foundation had regarding this, and it was in the context of when the Democrats were pushing price controls for insulin. So this was prior to Holly's push. And the um, Heritage Foundation uh, fell. I don't know what his position with Heritage Foundation. He's doing the interviewing here of somebody that uh, evaluates him as an expert when it comes to this stuff. And and, he, and I'm just going to read to you how he explains this whole process, just so you get a sense. You may not understand it, but you'll get a sense this is much more complicated than the big pharmaceutical companies that are trying to screw you over. He explains that pharmaceutical companies or manufacturers develop the insulin and they set a list price. They're like, here's what it costs. Then there are wholesalers who transport the insulin and sell it to the pharmacies. We're pretty familiar with the concept of wholesalers. The patient, which is you and me, I mean, not me specifically, I don't have diabetes, but you understand. Pays the copay amount to the pharmacist. Then the pharmacy sends a bill to your insurer. But the transaction doesn't happen seamlessly. There is a middleman called pharmacy benefit manager or PBM. And by the way, I've had conversations. I had one, I think it was the summer before last, with the owner of a pharmacy saying, this is the problem right now. This is the, this is the true problem, and it is the biggest pain in the butt when it comes to dealing with with the whole industry of pharmaceuticals as a pharmacist and it is the pharmacy benefit manager of or or PBM and they facilitate the entire transaction the PBM contracts with the payers and offers to reduce their costs by negotiating discounts and rebates from the manufacturers so they act as a middleman so they come along and you know to the buyer and they're like hey you know what I can go over to the guy that you're, that's selling this stuff to you, and I'm going to negotiate a better price for you. After a price negotiation, a discount, a rebate is negotiated, then the pharmacy benefit manager passes on a portion of the rebate it receives from the manufacturer to the payer or the insurance company. It's only after that that each payer decides how much of the rebate savings are passed on to us as the consumer. 
in the form of lower cost of the counter. So it's very see so you see it's complicated. You may have a difficult time following that, and that's to some degree the point. These aren't easy things. Some people, and again, the conversations I've had when it comes to um, this issue with pharmacists, they point to the existence of these these pharmacy benefit managers themselves. Now, what some suggest is not the their existence that is the problem, it's how they get paid. That what needs to happen for the, this problem to be addressed is for the pharmacy benefit managers to get a flat rate instead of getting some of the savings, essentially however much I suppose they want, whatever they, they dictate in terms of the savings. Because what is oftentimes occurring here and what most people don't understand is that oftentimes while your price still may go up, the, the manufacturer of the product, because of the deals that are made with the pharmacy benefit manager, they're actually getting less money. So whenever you are told that your cost is going up and the blame goes to the evil pharmaceutical companies, in some instances, they're actually losing money. They're getting less. The savings, they, they, they are not the ones who are reaping the benefit. It's the pharmacy benefit manager. Now, you may say to yourself, well, why would they do that? Why would the producer and the manufacturer lose out like that? Well, because the pharmacy benefit managers have this massive sea of consumers at their disposal because of the different pharmacies that they work with. And so they essentially tell the manufacturers, I've got however millions of people or whatever, oh, you don't want to strike this deal? Well, then I'll go make it with someone else. And so the the argument here, again, some is that the problem is the pharmacy benefit managers, but others say it's not their existence. It's not even what they do. It's not that they're ne- the fact that they're negotiating lower price. It's the fact that th- the amount of cut they get. And instead of being paid out of the savings, they should just be paid a flat rate. And that's one of the arguments. The other component that comes into play here, and, and this is a question that probably non-diabetics have more than diabetics do. And that is, why on earth is there not these generic versions? Why, why is the marketplace not flooded? Why can't you go to Walmart and have an equate version of, of insulin? And largely the reason is because you've got two, two different kinds of medicine. One is chemical. The other is biologic. Chemical is straightforward stuff. Chemical is ingredients that you can duplicate. So the FDA is able to say, okay, you just show that you have the same ingredients as the FDA-approved product here, and because it has the same ingredients, we know it's going to have the same impact. It's the same thing. But when it comes to biologic medicines, which insulin is one of, there is not the, the, you're talking about living things, and so it's not something that you can just carbon copy because of the living component to it. You can try to get close. You've heard about um, uh, 
like this probably even happened with COVID vaccines, but flu shots every year. And sometimes there'll be a, quote, bad batch. And it's because of that biologic component to it that, uh, you know, dies off. You're talking about living entity. And because of that, it it makes it the system that is set up by the government now is not set up to accommodate the leeway that is necessary for these companies to be able to duplicate in the same way that chemical medicines are duplicated, uh, a.k.a. generic drugs. And one of the arguments that was being made in that Republican policy committee piece that I read from 2022 is that that's an area where advancements, they argue, are being made, and that's an area where they need to be made more in the future, that, that the FDA needs to loosen up the regulations so that, like chemical drugs, the biologic drugs, such as insulin, can be duplicated at the same sort of rate that the chemical drugs can be. Now, are these the absolute answers? I'm not here to sell you that it is. My overall point here is that these are not problems that exist as they are portrayed. And they are portrayed pharmaceutical company is wanting to make more money so they jack up the price of your insulin and that's why it costs more. Because oftentimes, as I noted, they are not only not getting an increase out of your increased price, but at times what they're getting back is lower than what they got before. Not always that way, but sometimes it is. So the easy... Step in, government put a price cap on it, we're from the government, we're here to help. That is not the answer when Democrats propose it, and it's not the answer when Republicans like Josh Hawley propose it. Government intervention and socialized medicine is not good simply because the person suggesting it has an R next to their name. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. American Transmissions Talk and Text Line. Noting that uh, they also sell it overseas for a fraction of the price. America gets gouged, but that is socialism regarding medicines. Uh, and there, this is true. The price controls that have been put into place for medicines in other countries is uh, one of the results of that, as I noted earlier, is the lack of uh, research and development that is the result of that in those other countries. It's why they have to import drugs from the United States. Worldwide, the price caps put on drugs have dried up research and development in every country other than the United States where we haven't had them. Now, the downside is oftentimes we subsidize those price caps. What is unknown by so many people is that there was a a, uh, period of time where uh, getting prescriptions from Canada was a big deal. And I don't know, maybe it still is. It just doesn't get the coverage that it did once upon a time. Uh, But this was a big deal. And interestingly enough, the Clinton campaign, where uh, Donna Shalala was head of health and human services, he had her look into the um, the potential of allowing Americans to legally import drugs from Canada. And it was the Clinton administration that found that they could not do it and guarantee the safety of the product. Uh, because of, you know, we have labs here and inspectors here that they don't have there and so forth. 
Um, but m- those medicines, the, the components of the medicines were actually, you know, sent there to the United States. They'd be put together and then, you know, come back. But ultimately, the point being is that those oftentimes originated in the United States. But they were cheaper in Canada because Canada would have price controls on them, price caps on them. Well, we subsidize that. How is it that those those lower costs, those caps get offset? It was by the purchasing of those of us here in the United States. Now, that you say, well, that's wholly unfair. Oh, well. But here's the other thing that's interesting about it, and this is not in the context of medicine itself, but just socialism. The only time socialism is really able to uh, survive in any capacity or say, look at the good things that it does, is when it's reliant on a non-socialist country. And medicines are a perfect example. You have a lot of countries that in the past have been able to point to how inexpensive the drugs are because of socialized medicine. And look at us putting price caps on things. But the drugs that they are importing, the life-saving drugs that they are importing were developed here in the United States because we didn't have such controls stifling research and development and innovation. Communism's the same way. China, as a communist nation, would not exist if it were not for capitalism throughout the rest of the world, namely the United States. Look at how many products... We have here in the United States that have Made in China stamped on them. Their market is the capitalistic market, and not to mention how many jobs are in China from U.S. manufacturers, whether it's Apple, whether it's Nike, whether it's any of these other American industries that exist because of capitalism that help put a lifeline to communism in China. When you look at examples of countries that have communism or socialism that are continuing to exist, albeit not with a high quality of life, it's because they have a lifeline of some sort to a free country. Flip it around on the other side. You look at a tyrannical, I mean, it's communism, socialism, fascism, it's all government control, North Korea. It has isolated itself from all other free countries. And look what it's done. China would be the same way. Cuba is another tremendous example. While there are a number of free countries that still do have some degree of pipeline there, the United States, which is the freest country in the world, or at least it was up until a period of time, we cut off that relationship, and look what has happened to socialism in Cuba. Not that great, is it? Venezuela is another example. Those forms of government cannot exist in a vacuum, and the only areas in which they do have some form of, I don't even want to say success, but livability, it's because the source of that is something that they have imported from a free country. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. 
Sarah Myers. Thank you. Are you looking for a roofing company? Then look no further than my friends over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, the Pyramid Roofing team, they have been serving Missouri since 1992, and their main goal is to just be upfront and honest with you when it comes to your roofing needs. That is exactly why I hired the Pyramid Roofing team. Uh, whenever the husband and I called them, we knew that our home was in desperate need for a new roof. And instead of using scare tactics or trying to upsell us, uh, they were just straight up honest about what we needed. They came out, they did an estimate, took tons of photos and videos so we could see exactly what they see when they got on our roof. And they got the job done start to finish within several days. And now I feel really safe under my new roof. So whether you find yourself needing a whole new roof or just a roof repair, give Josh and the Pyramid Roofing Company a call today. You can find their phone number, address, website, all that contact information. That's going to be housed at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. Bubby Goldberg on The View, which is listed as a news source by ABC, asked if, quote, we need to see white people get beat up to see change. Followed up, of course, by the required. I'm not suggesting that happens after, of course, she puts it out there. Now, first of all, there have been white people, men, maybe women as well, but I recall one case specifically in in Texas. It, and it was an I can't breathe situation and the white person in custody would die at police hands. But you didn't see any news coverage of it. You didn't see white people burn down Walgreens and steal tennis shoes. Yeah, you know, that, that just the response is different. And we can argue all day as to why that is. We could also have lots of real, quote, uncomfortable conversations about the differences here. But ultimately, the fact of the matter is, as always, these, these situations happen in cities run by the Democrat Party. I get real sick and tired of people like Whoopi Goldberg saying, well, what do we got to do? See white people get beat up in order for their change to happen? I don't know. What does it take for people in the inner cities to start voting for new people to be in charge? How about we start with that? We don't have to wonder if white people have to get beat up to see change. You have to start telling people who live in Memphis, who live in Chicago, who live in St. Louis, who live in Baltimore, who live in San Francisco, stop putting the same people in charge over and over and over again. Change isn't going to happen as long as you keep the same people in charge. So maybe that should be step one. Glenn Beck's next. I'm Nick Reed.